Welcome to the podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd also like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. I want to say just a few words about this sermon series on the power of purpose, a study of James, the power of purpose. And today is part two, part one of a two-part subset in the power of purpose. So why James and why this particular sermon series? Well, I have to say that sometimes in our lives of faith or just in our lives, we are confronted with some unpleasant truths, namely that who we think we are is not, in fact, who we actually are. Our outsides don't match our insides. This week, Jimmy and I had the tremendous blessing of staying at a friend's condominium at Mount Crested Butte. It was an opportunity for me to do my annual study leave, a time where I refresh my own soul and prepare for sermons upcoming and series for the rest of, this, of the point of year. Well, when Jimmy and I arrived in Crested Butte, we believed, basically, that we were in shape-ish. We work around the ranch, Jimmy mows five acres. We're always doing something with the big dogs. We walk-ish. And then, as Jimmy put it, after we went up and down the stairs at the condominium at Mount Crested Butte more than once or twice, he turned to me and said, I sure hope there aren't any hunters around here. I said, why? He said, because we sound like a couple of bull moose (laughs) walking up and down. So on our insides, we were convinced that, well, yeah, we're in shape. No, we're not. There can be no doubt whatsoever. The truth had to hit us right in the face. Our outsides did not match our insides. A number of years ago, I was at an airport and a gentleman sat next to me. Now, I confess, when I travel, I usually do not begin by telling people I am a pastor The responses fall in predictable patterns. Usually, I'm just focused on reciting Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom or what shall I fear? Because I don't like to fly. So I'm just breathing in, listening to my music, quoting my scripture, trying not to think about the air ride I'm going to take. But on this particular day in the airport, sits down next to me a gentleman clearly looking to chat. And so eventually he got around to asking me, well, what do you do? 
And I thought, you know, should I be coy? Should I just say, oh, I work in a church? Or I teach a little? I don't know. But I decided, maybe the Holy Spirit decided, I was just going to come clean. I said, well, I'm a United Methodist pastor. Like I said, there are predictable responses. I see Reverend Raleigh and Reverend Jerry here, and, you, and I see Bo and David, and you know exactly what I'm saying, don't you? When you tell people you're a pastor, you're either going to get, well, I used to go to church. I- I'm going to start going to church. In fact, I think I'll go this week. I might even go to your church. <laughs> or you get things like, well, I'm not going to church. You can't make me go to church. I just said hello. (laughs) I am not going to church. Well, this particular man, as we sat down, very pleasant conversation, but he proceeded to tell me what I suspect on some level we all know can be true. He said, I don't go to church. And I said, well, do you mind telling me why? He said, I don't go to church because some of the meanest people with whom I work, some of the meanest people in my family do go to church. And what they say they believe and how they treat me or treat other people is inconsistent. And I don't want any part of it. In other words, all of us must confront from time to time what we believe to be true on the inside and what others actually see on the outside. James holds us accountable for that life of consistency. And in his book, we will discover over the next several weeks, some helpful tools. I don't believe we're all inconsistent all of the time, but I also believe that as Christians, our goal always should be to grow and to improve. I have yet to to meet anyone who says, you know, I think I'm about as consistent a Christian as I need to be. I'm good. There's always room for us to be more consistent with what we say we believe and how we live what we believe. It's not a pleasant question or reality to face, but that's what we must. James is going to confront us. He's going to challenge us with how we deal with relationships, with money, with hardships, with one another, with community. He will make us take a hard look at how we speak and with whom and whether or not we're trying to fool ourselves or God. Now, two of the resources that I will use for this sermon series in general and particularly for today are This Changes Everything, Lessons from James by Ben Stewart, 
and a book that's been on my bookshelves for months and months and probably years that I kept thinking I'd give away because I hadn't read it, but then, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, hello, I'm here. The Christian Atheist by Craig Groeschel. So these are two of the resources I will use for this sermon series, but particularly today. Do we behave on the outside sincerely in a manner consistent with what we say we believe about Jesus Christ? And if not, what can we do about it? And so let's take a look at James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing." James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ben Stewart, in his book, This Changes Everything, asks us to ask ourselves the question, how would we define ourselves? James, right away, says he is a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower, a disciple. How do we define ourselves? What are the kinds of topics we pursue if the conversation is allowed to be about us? Can people tell from how we spend our money, our energy, and our time whether or not we're just a believer or a disciple? A believer or a disciple? How would we describe ourselves and how would others describe us? It's food for thought. Many scholars believe that James was written by the brother of Jesus, who, according to Mark's gospel, along with his mother, his brothers, and his sisters, thought Jesus was crazy. I'm going to say that again. According to Mark's gospel, James, his brothers, His sisters and his mother at one time thought Jesus was crazy. I'm just curious how many of you knew that was in the Gospel of Mark. And yet, James went on to champion Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In fact, he became so committed to following Jesus that he was martyred, stoned to death, rather than to renounce his faith. And so why is that so important? It's important because it reminds us that no matter where we are now, and no matter how you answered the questions I posed to you just a minute ago, we can be changed. And we should have an expectation that we can change. And according to James, believe it or not, hardship is one of the ways that we can learn and grow. 
Now, let's be honest. Nobody wants trials. Nobody wants difficulties. Nobody wants to have to endure anything. But in Jesus Christ, we can face them head on and we can even use them as opportunities to increase in maturity and endurance to become mature in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. James even goes on to say that because this is so, because Jesus is with us in our time of hardship, because we can use them to grow and mature, then we can even rejoice when we face them. So then the question becomes, well, why do we need to increase our endurance? We need to increase in endurance because pain will come again. If you've lived long enough, you already know there is not a life that escapes pain. And we endure one, it makes us stronger to endure the next because pain will come again. We also increase in our endurance, grow in maturity and in wisdom because a life of service to Jesus Christ will result in being attacked, misunderstood, judged harshly by others who are not as mature. I'm gonna say that again. Because a mature life of service in Christ will result in being attacked, misunderstood, and judged harshly by those who are not as yet mature. Scripture teaches us that from beginning to end. And we need to grow in our endurance because radical love will always be met in the world by hostility. We live in a world where the mighty rule, where money talks, where serving self and family and work is more important than sacrifice. And as we grow in wisdom, we come to understand a very different view. Trials, hardships can produce such maturity in us. I believe that Jesus did not come to this earth, die on the cross, and be raised from the dead so that we would stop growing in Christian maturity, which means we have to have an expectation that we're going to intentionally take responsibility to ask Christ to help us grow in wisdom, in faith, in spiritual maturity. But there's just one problem. Just because we face trials and difficulties doesn't guarantee we're going to increase in maturity. In fact, hear what Ben Stewart says. Now before we discover exactly how trials build character, we must notice that there's something we must do. James said we must let steadfastness have its full effect. We have to allow trials to teach us. Let me be clear. We are not guaranteed growth by going through trials. We can suffer and not learn a thing. We can go through hardship and make us bitter, not better. The question we have to ask ourselves is, am I humble enough 
to accept pain as a teacher? I hope so because the benefits are substantial. Trials fill us up with things we lack. And what do we lack? Wisdom. What is wisdom? Simply stated, wisdom is an understanding of how the world works and the ability to navigate it well. Wise people have a firm grasp of reality and know how to flourish in it. And here's the hard truth. Wisdom is not something we are born with. Not all wisdom needs to be gained through pain, but pain is an excellent teacher. And so now we read again in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Let the believer who is lowly boast in being raised up and the rich in being brought low, because the rich will disappear with like a flower in the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers in its field. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. It is the same way with the rich. In the midst of a busy life, they will wither away. Trials can give us Wisdom, difficulty, hardship can give us wisdom enough to see the big picture and to invest in things that do not fade. C.S. Lewis says, we can endure and even rejoice as James demands, not because we understand completely, but because we know Jesus who does not leave us to suffer alone. Wisdom born of experience and intentionally asking God to grant it to us, gives us the ability to see that no experience is greater or more powerful than God. But for me, there is often one thing that stands in the way from that wisdom. I pray for wisdom to see as God intends and then I take it back. Because of one word, worry. We read in The Christian Atheist, two steps toward freedom from worry are to do what's wise and to think on the right things, which is what James is trying to tell us. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 12 says, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you do catch yourself worrying, even after you have done what is wise, remember that God is bigger than our problems and that he wants us to hand them over to him. Worry then becomes a signal alerting us that it's time to pray. Anytime you hear the alarm start to blare, stop. It's time to start, stop worrying and start praying. And then in Philippians, we read from Paul, chapter four, verse eight, 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And as we continue to pray, we can shift our minds from fear-based thinking to faith-based thinking. From fear-based thinking to faith-based thinking. One of the purposes we have as believers in Jesus Christ, our purpose for being is to grow in wisdom and endurance so that God can use us more faithfully so that more and more our outsides will match what we proclaim to believe. The more we open our hearts to the wisdom of God and contemplate on the things of God, the less opportunity there is for worry. I won't lie. I haven't achieved full wisdom in that regard yet. But the tools are here for each of us to follow. And then James steps on our toes in a big way. He says, in essence, those of you, those of us who have money, forget it. Why does he say that? Because he's trying to get to the heart of the matter. The purpose for us, our purpose is to so grow in our wisdom and Christian maturity that we understand that who we are comes not from what we have, from what we've achieved. It doesn't come from our social status or how many people admire us because of what we have accomplished. Our value and worth comes because we are children of God, disciples of Jesus Christ, put on this earth to grow in faith and trust in him. Why? Well, that's another sermon. But when we mislead ourselves into believing we have enough to rely on ourselves, we have missed the point. So why are we here? What is the power of purpose? To begin with, it's to grow. And if you agree, say amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.